You're listening to a podcast from City Tribe Media. We're an urban tribe who helps people who feel far from God to know Jesus, cultivate freedom, discover purpose, and make a difference. We're also a diverse tribe who welcomes everyone from bikers to bankers, PhDs to GEDs, every age, race, and walk of life. So whether you're a longtime Christ follower or a spiritual investigator, we hope you're encouraged through our content. Enjoy today's teaching. I wanted to ask, how many of you have seen anything about the Asbury Renewal Revival on any media forum? Raise your hands real quick. Okay. It's been on every single media outlet of any sort. And perhaps some of you are wondering, I've not heard of it. What is it? What's about? What are the ramifications and implications for our church and my life? Well, I'm going to break that down if you'll hang with me through the entirety of the teaching. But before we get into the teaching, let's start with the Word of God. And so if you wouldn't mind to stand with me for the reading of God's Word, I'm going to be reading from John chapter 1, verse 38 and 39, and then I'll hit verses 41 and 42. Jesus looked around, and he saw them following. What do you want? He asked them. They replied, Rabbi, which means teacher, where are you staying? Come and see, he said. It was about four o'clock in the afternoon when they went with him to the place where he was staying, and they remained with him the rest of the day. Andrew went to find his brother Simon and told him, we have found the Messiah, which means Christ. Then Andrew brought Simon to meet Jesus. The very words of God, you may be seated. And if you're coming new here for the first time, we're in the midst of a teaching series called Holistic Church. And one of the things that we've seen around here is that God seems to smile on our church when we do seven different things. And we just got done taking two weeks to talk about how God smiles on our church when we serve the under-resourced or the poor among us. And today we're going to start talking about how God smiles us when we share Christ with other people. And I think all of us who uh, have been around church for a while have heard of something called the Great Commission. If you're new to church, the Great Commission is where Jesus said, I want you to go out and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. So it's like kind of all about us going. But one of the things that we saw in the text that we just read together was that sometimes to go and make disciples means to just go and invite people to come and see as Jesus said. So that's really what I want to break down today is to come and see. Will you turn to your neighbor and tell him, come and see? Good. We want people to come and see and encounter and experience Jesus. Never before has it been more important for us in America and in Western countries to invite people to come and see and encounter and experience Jesus. Because like me, perhaps many of you have seen the data and seen how many people are bailing out on churches all over the Western world, even though the church is growing in different parts of the world. Um, it seems to be you know, struggling in America and Western Europe. But um, I've seen signs of light recently. And I, as I'm watching it appears that we could be in the midst of a spiritual awakening or an outpouring of God's spirit in our country. And I want to show you four things that I've seen recently in current events that <clears throat> lead me to believe that we could be in the midst of a spiritual revival. Four things. The first one is this, that, that Chosen series. Has anybody seen The Chosen? Uh, the You know, it's just streaming or whatever. It's just about the life of Jesus. And it's not just Christians that are watching it, but 
irreligious people are watching it too. Uh, I'll never forget the reaction of Joe Rogan when he found out just how widespread The Chosen is. In fact, now it's become the number one media crowdfunded project in history. And as of November of 2022, The Chosen was streamed 440 million views. Uh, that, that's significant, if you didn't know. Um, and it's still rolling. So The Chosen is one indicator that we could be in a renewal. There's a renewed interest in Jesus, which is good, isn't it? But the second thing that really tipped me off that God might be doing something, and I saw some humility in prayer, was when Damar Hamlin fell in cardiac arrest. Was anybody watching that game besides me? It was like, you know, it, it was unbelievable. I mean, this guy, Damar Hamlin, he got, got hit, and it was a normal hit. It wasn't a big deal. And he was kind of standing there after the hit, and then all of and he just collapsed on the ground. What we didn't know at the time was that he went into cardiac arrest. And of course, the paramedics came out there and started working on him very, very quickly. And I'll never forget the crowd in the stands that were just stunned, basically, didn't know what to do. We all thought, all of us watching on TV and people in the stadium thought we were gonna see a guy die on the field. And I'll never forget his quarterback and his teammates and even players from the opposing team Everyone was kind of in shock in the moment, and the players didn't know what to do. I saw players tearing up, start crying, and then you know what the players did? They didn't know what to do, so they all gathered together, knelt, and took a knee, kneeling before God, humbling themselves before God, and prayed. Nobody knew if the game was even going to keep going right? Because you've never seen something like this happen before. Like on, and a lot of people were watching that football game. Well, then the uh, sports commentators on the television stations, they didn't know what to say either. And a lot of them are for former players. And they were, I could tell they were kind of putting themselves in you know, the shoes of players on the field. And they didn't know what to say. You could tell they were bummed out. They were sad. They were all predicting that the game was going to be canceled. And then this one guy, Dan Orlovsky on ESPN took a risk and he led the nation in a humble prayer for DeMar. And I'll never forget that. I thought it was significant. And then you started seeing all these billboards pop up and signs pop up. Every single NFL team changed their Twitter account to say, pray for DeMar. It's like the nation was humbling ourselves saying, God, please help. And so after all of this prayer, just hours after the prayer, DeMar went from cardiac arrest to miraculous recovery. They removed the breathing tube. His brain function was intact. And we saw God do something good when the nation humbled themselves in prayer. So DeMar was a sign I believe, you know, the chosen society. And then the third thing is that movie that just came out, Jesus Revolution. Has anybody seen Jesus Revolution? Like super awesome movie, right? I cried through the whole thing. And our whole staff went to it. And if you haven't seen it, I would recommend going to it. But if you go back in a time machine just to a few years before the Jesus Revolution of the 1970s happened, Time Magazine read, is God dead? That was the question on Time Magazine. Is God dead? And doesn't it feel like 
the way a lot of people are seeing God these days, you know, it's like, is God dead? I mean, are we past that? Have we evolved past believing in that old mysticism kind of stuff? But then back in the late 60s, early 70s, Jesus decided to show that he's not dead. And the Time Magazine cover changed from his God dead to Jesus revolution when hippies and young people started coming to faith in Jesus in mass and it swept the country becoming perhaps the most significant spiritual outpouring and spiritual awakening to Jesus that this country has ever seen. But let me tell you a little factoid. The same time, the same year, 1970, when the Jesus revolution was happening, God was also doing something in a little bitty small town in Kentucky called Wilmore, Kentucky. It was at Asbury University, and it was the 1970 Asbury Awakening outpouring of God. And when I saw that picture on screen, it hit me because when I started seeing history start to repeat itself, and I saw online just a couple of posts about some little revival maybe happening again at Asbury. It was like Jesus was calling me, come and see. Come and see. And I thank God that I have a wife that's willing to make quick, you know, airline plans and just jumped on a plane. We just left, wife and daughter, and we went to Kentucky to encounter the 2023 Asbury revival. And so when we, when we got there, I was blown away by the presence of God. And what you got to know is now it's spreading to other colleges like Baylor, Belmont, Sanford, Texas A&M, OU, and more. And it's spreading to other countries. When we were there, there were people from all over the planet who had converged on this little place. One couple from Chile had sold both their cars just to get there into the presence of God. So what is the Asbury Revival? How did it happen? Well, in case you hadn't heard of it, it was just a common chapel service for a Christian university and, and a very average service happened and the students decided to hang around and worship. One student got up, started confessing his sin. Others did the same. They stayed in worship and didn't leave. And other students left their dorms and classrooms and came into the chapel and started worshiping God in his presence. And it kept building and building and they wouldn't stop. They stayed there like round the clock 24-7. And then all of a sudden, people in neighboring towns started hearing about it and people started organically posting about it and people like me heard about it. And all of a sudden, now there's over 100,000 people that converge on this little town of 6,000 people in a period of 12 days. Um, the presence of God was thick there. And while I was experiencing it, um, I asked God, would you allow me to bring a little bit of revival back to our little church in San Antonio, you know? Because we're hungry for that. You know, I wrote down in my journal just the days after five observations about what I encountered at Asbury, and I wanted to share that with you today as a part of our time together. And so I wrote down five observations. One is that this movement of God is very gentle and Gen Z, you know, Generation Z focused. 
So everyone there was gentle, not overly pushy. You weren't, you didn't feel like you were being forced to be more charismatic than what you were comfortable to be. People from a lot of different worship traditions would have felt very, very comfortable worshiping there at Asbury. It didn't feel weird at all, if you know what I mean. Even though there were reports of healings and people coming to salvation or to a new relationship with Jesus, but all, the whole thing, you saw the presence of a lot of people who were 25 years and younger there. In fact, when I was there, they reserved certain times where only Gen Zs were allowed to be in the chapel. And they saved the best seats in the middle front section for younger generations of people to be there. In fact, I got into the main chapel at about midnight when we got there. As soon as we got there, I'm like, I'm going down there. And I went into the main chapel and it was mostly younger people. I got there at midnight and I stayed till like 3.30 in the morning. And uh, the time seemed to pass really fast. It's like three hours felt like, like three minutes, it seems so fast when you're in the presence of God. And then the next day uh, we got up and I took my wife and daughter down for more of it. And I saw more older people there during the day. But by that time you couldn't get into the big main chapel. You just, people were worshiping out in the grass outside and people went into video overflows and we went into a smaller video overflow venue and it was every bit as intense, if not more so the presence of the Lord there in that little video overflow. So it was not about what room you were in. And I believe the implications for our church here is that we want to be very gentle with people who have been through so much over the past few years, and particularly those of you who are of younger generations. And the rest of us, think about what these kids have been through over the past few years. Um, They had people who were hating on each other. That's all they saw. They were isolated. They couldn't be with friends. Some of them didn't get to graduate or go to proms. And they grew up in one of the most toxic times in history. And I believe that this movement of God is like God saying, Gen Z, I see you. And I know the hurt that you've gone through. And I know... The, the, the hurt that you feel, I see you, I love you, and I want to pour my love and presence and gentleness out upon you. And we've seen that at our city youth students over the past few weeks. It's like groups of middle school boys, the middle school boys group like filled up. And it's like, I was, it was surreal to me. I was down here a couple of weeks ago and I saw like middle school boys down here kneeling and praying at the front, putting their arms around each other and all this. It's like middle school boys, they should only get excited about video games or whatever, right? But these boys like were encountering the presence of God because God loves the younger generations. But the second observation I made about Asbury is that it was loving, honoring, and humble. Everyone associated with the university was humble and gentle and loving. And everybody that we met from other countries or other places or other towns that converged in the place were so loving and gentle. And, uh, you know, it's like younger people were actually the catalyst for this. But the adult leaders at the university were helping guide them, and they were such humble leadership. 
And I think younger leaders are tired of leaders that are narcissistic and have to push their own agendas and not really humbly serving the people around them. And I think the implications for us is that we've got to maintain an environment in our church that's loving and honoring and humble. And all of us who are leaders here, whether it's volunteer eagle leaders or staff pastors, whatever, uh, we have got to be very careful to uh, have extreme humility, not be too controlling, forceful, and uh, make sure that we understand that it's like precious human souls that we're serving here. But the third observation that I made is that it was radically God-focused. All the people that you saw on stage there were no names, right? Just college students who, uh, ordinary college students leading the worship. And I heard one guy say, the only celebrity there is Jesus. And it's a lot of ordinary and unimpressive people who were very impressed by Jesus is what it was. And um, I know pastors that were big name pastors that were there. So, and none of them were given the mic. Then I know of one really big name, like Christian musician who offered to get up on stage and lead worship. And they told him, no, see media outlets, we're going to show up and offer to come and put it on camera, you know, all this kind of stuff. And they said, no. In fact, one news pundit said, hey, if they don't want the cameras in there, they're either doing something really bad or something really good. And in this case, I think something really good is happening. And Asbury didn't need the media attention to create buzz for their revival that's happening, their awakening that's happening, because it was organically spreading through word of mouth and organic social media there. So um, I thought that was significant. And the implications for us is that we've got to have a greater emphasis on Jesus and less emphasis on us. We have to, at City Tribe, say, like John the Baptist, we must decrease that he may increase. But the fourth uh, observation I made there, it was very simple. There were no screens with lyrics, no smoke and lights or, you know, fancy production going on. In fact, before the student worship leaders would get up on stage and lead the songs, they had to go into what's called the consecration room where they had to pray and confess sin and they had to be prayed over to make sure they were holy enough like to get up there, right? Uh, and th this younger generation is saying, hey, we're tired of overly produced, slick productions in church. We just want the simple presence of God, you know? We just want to be in his presence. You think we're going to show the younger generations some flashy screen or light show that they hadn't seen before? And uh, we're fooling ourselves if we think that a big production is going to make people encounter the presence of the Lord. And I believe the implications for us is that we've got to, and we've already begun to scale back the production of our services here um, so that nothing feels coercive and we don't create anything in the environment that would detract attention to Jesus and that it's his power and presence that moves us and changes us. But then the fifth observation that I made was that of tears. And when I say that, I want you to understand that we're not like just into emotionalism here, right? And we know that emotions can fool us, can't they? You know, just think back to your middle school dating life, okay? Emotions can fool you, can't they? But look, 
when I went into that room, it's like the tears came very quickly. The Lord, sensing the presence of the Lord, felt the same as it did in my own private office where I, you know, my, spend my God times. The way I've described it to people is like when I go into my office to have my God time and get into the word and sense the presence of God, it's like I light a match and start a fire there. The way I would describe Asbury is that I walked into a place where, where a group of people had already been tending to the fire and throwing logs on it all along. So I very quickly sensed the presence of God and the tears came very, very quickly. And the strange thing about it was, and I was reluctant to, to talk about this part of the experience, but my tears felt warm, almost hot, but they didn't hurt. But it's like they were flowing down, healing my soul that's somewhat weary from a few years of difficulty in ministry. You know, it's been challenging to be a pastor. And it was like God was using those tears to heal me. And I thank him for that because um, I'm typically that, typically that guy that doesn't want to lean into emotionalism too much. And so when the tears come, I buck up and try and stop it because I don't want to be too emotional, if, if you follow me. And I would submit to you that that may not be either spiritually or emotionally healthy. And the implications for us is that I think I'm going to do a, a service and a Bible study here on tears in the Bible, because you'll see a lot of tears in the scriptures if you actually read it and study it. And we want to lean into not emotionalism, not contrived tears, but when the presence of God is there and moves us to tears, we don't want to quench the spirit but we want to press in and lean into the presence of God and allow the tears to flow. And I believe that if we'll do that, not only will we encounter the Lord, which is the goal, but he'll heal us from some of the difficulties and the, the pain and the wounds that is in our soul. So having an encounter with Jesus moves us emotionally oftentimes, but it does something else that we're going to focus in on today. When you have an encounter with the Lord and get in his presence, it motivates you and spurs you on to share him with other people. It's why we have like on our social media, there's a share button, right? We're all doing it. We share those things that are important to us. And so we want to talk about sharing Christ today. And we saw in John 1, a couple of things I want to point out. Remember, Jesus tells the guys, come and see. Would you say that with me out loud again? Here we go. Ready? Come and see. And then you see a few verses later, Andrew was motivated by that because he spent like all day with the Lord. Like he came and it was like all day and it felt like very little time. And when he left the presence of the Lord, it says, Andrew brought Simon to meet Jesus. That's the most natural thing to do. Now, I know what some of you are saying. Maybe you are new to church and you came with a friend or, you know, you're trying to date this hot chick and she goes to church. So you came with her, you rolled along and you're what we would call our spiritual investigators maybe. And you're thinking, Doug, are you trying to get us to proselytize? You ever heard Proselytize people. Well, if you just said that, I want you to understand something you've already been proselytized into a worldview that's called expressive individualism. 
else you wouldn't have said it's wrong to proselytize other people. Because I think if we get honest, all of us are trying to convince people that our viewpoint is right. Even atheists are trying to proselytize, if you will. Some people are trying to proselytize you into being a Democrat. Others, a libertarian or a Republican. Some people are trying to proselytize you to wear a mask or to not wear a mask or get vaccinated or get 15 more vaccinations or not get vaccinations at all because they think it's the mark of the beast or something. Some people are trying to convince you and proselytize you to root for the Dallas Cowboys or the Houston Texans. And duh, everybody knows it's the Cowboys, right? Some people are trying to convince you to go to Orange Theory or CrossFit or essential oils or supplements. I mean, everybody's doing it, aren't they? Everybody is trying to share their viewpoint with others, and there's nothing wrong with sharing that which is important to you, right? And when you've been in the presence of Jesus, there's nothing more precious and important to you than his presence. And we want to share it. So, from the standpoint of those of you that are spiritual investigators, I I hear what a lot of you tell me. And what I'm hearing a lot is, hey, I'm open-minded to my Christ-following friends and what they tell me about Jesus. But I just don't want them to be all slick about it when they tell me. They just come right out and say it. You know, have you ever known that person, that Christian, they're like... They're walking across a, you know, a crosswalk with a, a friend that doesn't know the Lord. It's like, hey, you know, we walk across the street. What if you get hit by a bus? Are you going to go to hell? Okay, it's just like, no, just tell me. Unbelieving friends want you to be straightforward and just say, hey, look, I believe in Jesus and it's important. He got, he's important to me and I care about you. And look, our friendship is not contingent upon whether or not you believe the same that I believe. But I just at least want us to have that conversation, you know. Be straightforward. Another thing we've all got to understand is that here at church or when you have conversations with people and share Christ with other people is that we can't convert anyone. That's God's job. Look, if you think that your your, uh, irreligious friends will come here, Pastor Doug will get them. He'll convince them. I can't. I'm not that good. Look, I know I'm not. It's him. Look, have you, ever, have you ever been like me? I've got these friends. I've got some friends that are like Ivy League educated. They're way smarter than me. And if I think I'm going to get into an intellectual debate with them, you know, I mean, I, I do okay. But, the, you know, what I know is it's him. It's getting into people into the presence of God and all of us and say, hey, look, I don't know everything there is to know. I don't know what the teleological argument is. And, you know, I don't know what transubstantiation means, but I know this. I can bring someone into the presence of Jesus. And when people get into the presence of Jesus, we don't have to do much, do we? when people encounter him. And that's why we're working real hard to steward his presence here. We've changed from a program-based church to a presence-based church. 
And the reason is not so that we can be more religious or spiritual seeming. It's because when irreligious people come here, we want them to encounter his presence. And you know what? As an added bonus, those of us that know him, what do, what do we come to church for? A little show? You don't need another show. There are way better shows. We want to come here. You don't come for your pastor. You don't come here for, you know, Aaron when he sings and goes, oh, oh you know how he does. It's like, how does he do that? You say, you don't come for that. You come for Jesus. Right? When you encounter Jesus, it's all good. Oh, I got so excited. I totally lost my place. But I was thinking about um, that it, it, it's, not, it's not just inviting people to our church. Um, if the presence of Jesus is at another church, invite them where he is. If he shows up in an organic house gathering of worship, Invite him there. If a group of people are encountering him worshiping at a park, invite him there. But if you're encountering him here, invite them here. It's not the place, but the person that we're after, right? Jesus. That's, that, that's what it's about. And you know, have you ever, you wanted to share Christ and you're at work and everybody's talking around the water cooler or around the cubicles or the desks or the offices or warehouse or wherever you're working. And um, someone says, what'd you do this weekend? And you know, in the back of your mind, you've got a decision to make. Are you going to let them know everything you did? You could say, well, you know, we, we went out to eat, went to a movie. And then you got to decide if you're going to tell them. And then on Sunday, we got up. And went to church. <laughs> church. And in your mind, it's like you kind of let the cat out of the bag, didn't you? And you're imagining all they heard is she or he goes to church. It's church. But that can actually be a good thing. You know, most people aren't going to throw stones at you for just going to church, right? But then you have to decide if you're going to cross the next threshold. And that is to invite them into the presence. See, sometime. And I'll never forget, I was, uh, we had an event here at our church. It was like an art walk. And this pastor friend of mine showed up. His name is Johnny D. And Johnny D, actually, I'm going to have him come in a couple of months and give a message for you guys here. And Johnny and another lady that is a part of our church were talking, and I stumbled into their conversation, so the three of us were talking. And what the lady said was, Johnny D is the first guy that ever invited me to come to church when, I, when we were in high school. And I was a devout atheist in high school. And then the way Johnny told it was kind of funny, because he's like, he was fired up about the Lord, you know, and he would say, he'd go up to anybody at school, you know, and this lady in, in particular, he'd say, hey, you want to go to church? You want to go to church with me? She'd say, go to hell. And he'd say, okie dokie then. And then the next day he'd come back and he'd be like, want to go to church? She'd give him the finger, right? And it's just like, get out of here. She's like, okie dokie, that's okay. And then the next day he'd come back and one day he came up and said, you want to go to church? 
She said, you know, I think I'll try it. And she, she went to a church service over this. Somehow she ended up in our church eventually. And she came to faith in Jesus and her whole life changed because one guy was willing to kind of put himself out there and say, come and see, just come and see. And it reminded me of a time where a group of us some years ago were in Chihuahua, Mexico. You know, our church helps to support orphan care and some ministry down in Chihuahua, Mexico, uh, just outside Chihuahua City. And we were staying in this mission house in Chihuahua City. And we went out this one night after a day of ministry to a park, beautiful park there in Chihuahua City. People are playing soccer, hanging out and all this kind of stuff. And somehow we struck up a conversation with this guy at the park and he worked at a hospital and he was an ER tech. And as we got to talking, he figured out that we were kind of spiritual people of some sort. And he told us he was, had really felt depressed in recent days. And we said, well, why don't you come with us back to the mission house where the believers are there praying and singing and worshiping together. And we brought him back into this environment of the presence of God, where the believers were singing, praising God, encountering the Lord. And he got something there. Well, a couple of us got in the car and took him back to his apartment that night, and we talked for a bit more. We ministered to him, prayed with him, and all of this. And before we left, he gave us a gift. And the gift that he gave us was the razor blade that he was going to use that very night to slit his own wrist had we not met. And look, that night, we didn't know we were going to meet that guy. And that guy didn't know that he was going to meet us. And this whole thing of sharing Christ with people, there's a lot of it that's way outside our control. You follow me? When God chooses to do something in someone's life, he'll use the circumstances of their life, depression, some hurt or pain or whatever. But what he needs is someone that'll put themselves out there and say, hey, just come into the presence. Just come and see. You know, the reason I told you that story is because I really do believe that God is on the move these days. And I don't think I'm over-dramatizing it to say that the stakes are pretty high and that human lives are at stake, just like the ER tech in Chihuahua, Mexico. And so what I want to invite you to do today is take one of these little invites that say, come and see. And here's the deal with the invites. We've got them back on the back of the sound table. We've got them in a few stacks here on the stage. And I think we have some up in the balcony as well. And we're going to sing a song. You know, we'll stand up, sing a song. And I'm not going to put like the full court press on you on this because I really only want you to do this if you're really being prompted to do so by the, the Holy Spirit or God by Spirit, bring someone to your mind that's significant to you that you want them to encounter the presence of God. And plus, I'm cheap. I don't want to just hand these out. These full color things are expensive, you know, and I don't want to just throw them away, you know. I give money at this church. I want it to be used well, you know. So um, on the little card... It has a place to write their name and their address. If you already know their name and address, write their name and address and a little note to them and leave it here on the stage and we'll mail it for you if you want to. 
Um, you're from San Antonio. You like cheap, right? You're like me. But if you don't know their address or whatever, then just take it with you and fill it out at home and mail it to them yourself or just hand it to them if you want to do it that way. Hand it to them personally. Say, hey, man, look, just check it out once. Just come and see, right? Come and see. And one of the things that's real important about this little thing is that you put their name on here. That, that part is way, way important. I want to tell you why. Because in my little God times this last week, I was reading through Isaiah. And this passage really hit me. It's Isaiah 43, 1. It says, fear not, I have redeemed you. I have called you by what? Name. You are mine. When you pass through the waters, I'll be there with you. Through the rivers, they shall not overwhelm you. When you walk through the fire, you shall not be burned and the flame shall not consume you. God is calling people by name out of an overflow of love in his sizable heart. And he wants people to know, I've seen what you're going through. I just want to draw you into my presence and love on you and let you encounter me. So with that in mind, shall we stand up together and sing? And as we do, if you're compelled by the Spirit to do so, come down to the front here and grab one of these invites and do with it as you will.
service, I uh, had to get up and get a card myself for someone that the Lord prompted me to write down on the card. I'm going to deliver this to one of my neighbors later on today. Um, One of the things that I couldn't help but think is that most of what I've said was directed at those of you that are already Christ followers that want to invite people. It's in your heart already to want to invite people into the presence of God to come and see. But I couldn't help but think that sometimes God's sneaky. You know how he does? And someone, you came here, and we didn't, you didn't plan to come here, and we didn't plan to meet you, and you didn't plan to meet us. But God was doing something through the circumstances of your life to draw, him, draw you into his presence. And you've encountered something today, spiritual. And it's like God's drawing you to love relationship with himself that you've never had before in your entire life. And so I figure it'd be appropriate for us to stop and pray if you'd like to begin love relationship with God for the first time. So as you go before God, maybe you just say something like this. God, I, I believe, man. I, God, I, I choose to believe that Jesus Christ died on the cross, shed his blood, allowed his body to be broken. Jesus suffered crucifixion in the physical and took my sins and the sins of others upon himself spiritually on the cross. And Jesus rose again from the dead to give me a whole new life. So today's the day I seize it. I take hold of it. And I submit myself to you, God, that you would take hold of me as your adopted daughter or son. As we continue in prayer for the rest of us, we say, God, we choose to be a people who say, come and see, come and see and that we would enjoy your presence. And we pray these things in your precious name, Jesus, and for your sake. Amen. So we're creating a space now where if you need to hang out a little longer and maybe just kneel and pray or sit in your seat and pray, you're welcome to hang around a little longer and do that. That part is optional. If you're going to do that and you have kids in Kids City, you might want to go get them and teach them how to pray Uh, down here as well. Also, before you leave, don't forget your tithes and offerings for those of you that do that. And so whether you're comfortable to leave now or you want to hang around and pray and be in God's presence for a bit longer, um, either way, go from here, inviting others to come and see our good Jesus. We're glad you were a part of the tribe today. To further connect with us, 
Check the City Tribe YouTube channel, iTunes, SoundCloud, Instagram, Facebook, or our website, citytribe.church. May you go from this podcast knowing that you are loved.